Hey everyone, I'm really happy you could join me here today for the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. This is Keith Billick, and I gotta tell you, this was actually a pretty exciting week here at Picky Fingers HQ. I was able to do another uh, interview for a future episode. I've actually had a couple interviews recently, so getting those future episodes in progress and feeling good about those. The other really cool thing that uh, went on this week was the first monthly Picky Fingers VIP lounge for very important pickers. And that basically is a monthly uh, hangout, meet and greet, support group, whatever you want to call it, just a, a collection of a bunch of you listeners and me to discuss banjo, discuss the podcast, discuss whatever else we want. And it was really great. We had we had a good handful of listeners all the way from Australia, Argentina, all over the U.S., all over the place. And uh, it was really great to see some of your faces, hear your voices. And I look forward to many more of those and hopefully even more people joining us for that. If you're wondering how you can be invited to the VIP lounge for next month and every month after that, you're going to want to go to patreon.com slash banjo podcast. And the VIPs are supporters of the show who subscribe on Patreon, support the show through that site. So check that out, and hopefully I will see more and more faces every month. Another perk of being a supporter of the show on Patreon is you get your own personal shout-out here. And today I have to thank Ron Landis for his support of the show. And yes, this is the same Ron Landis that you all heard from just a few episodes ago on episode number 61. Ron, of course, is someone who makes some of the coolest picks around. He makes them out of silver, and they are... Not only great picks, but they are works of art. So check out his work at LandisStudios.net. He makes silver picks and other silver fine art and uh, is just a really cool guy. So, Ron, thank you so much for supporting the show. You've already done enough participating in the interview, but happy to have your Patreon support as well. So once again, that's patreon.com slash banjo podcast to support the show. Other ways to support the show, head over to pot sorry banjopodcast.com and you can check out the merch there i have music for sale i have shirts for sale stickers check all those out they're very cool today's episode features the second half of my conversation with the great john McEwen, who is the banjoist multi-instrumentalist record producer author extraordinaire most known for his work with the nitty-gritty dirt band but he's done a ton of other stuff too and we get into a bit of that here so if you need to get caught up go back two episodes to listen to the first half of the convo with john McEwen, and uh then you can come back here otherwise just uh listen to this and enjoy Let's move on. And uh, I mean, you have so much of your career that we're not going to ever get to cover. But um, <laughs> one of the main things that you notice, if you look at the list of your collaborations, it's it's such a huge list of some really impressive folks. And rather than go through maybe each one to talk about, is there a is there like a common 
trait that a lot of your collaborators have? Like, what do you look for in a musician that you want to work with? Somebody that feels the same way I do that wants me to offer up some of my cheesy licks to them or one of the instruments. What do I, I look for work? Mm-hmm. You know, I just like Leon Russell was a good friend. I recorded with him a few times and that was, I didn't look for anything. We just found some things we played to, could play together. He had me sit in with him and that was fun. And then two different times, once in Nashville, once in Tulsa, I made recordings with him. Jose Feliciano. I met him when he first came to LA. Nobody knew who he was. After a year, he said, Hey, John, can you take me out to Irvine College? I got to go play out there. I thought he was playing a coffee house. The gymnasium was full. And he was the only one. And I went, Jose, do you want me to play tonight with you again? Uh, yeah, well, well, come on, come on out. Uh, I'll call you out. And that was uh, Light My Fire. His, his version of Light My Fire had been tearing up the radio. I didn't know it. Packed the gymnasium with 4,000 people, and I'm kind of going, it's a pretty good business he's getting into. Uh, I'd like to get into. It's before the dirt band. Yeah, that's before the dirt band. A couple months later, I had him come to the college I was going to and do a concert with me for my music history class that I was failing because it was so boring. Anyway, and I ended up getting an A in the class. <laughs> I knew how to perform. And I asked the teacher, instead of a term paper, could I put on a little concert in the theater there and bring a friend of mine? And you brought Jose? Oh, yeah. He didn't, you know, play in coffee houses and stuff. Oh, that was before the big concert. Mm Yeah. He'd love to play. I played with him at the Iridium, the famous jazz club in New York City, two years ago, three years ago, maybe, uh, right after Les Paul died. The place Les Paul would play every Monday night. Yeah, Yeah, Other people would get that. Yeah, there's uh, some of the collaborations were things that I was producing. Where I'd want to record with Tony Rice. Mm. So I called him up and he said, sure. That was in the 70s and I got him on a couple tunes. That's uh, on String Wizards 2, one of them is. What a great solo. Ah. Anyway, it was an example of not first take. This is an example of studio working. Mm-hmm. Red Arrow to Moscow starts off with a, a a Russian band that I recorded with a cassette in in Russia when we were the first American band to go there in 1977. Yeah, and I used the tape a couple years later to set up this song in the front and at the end 
It's like you get on the train, you hear a local band playing, and then it starts off with it's Ruben's train reworked, you know, for the 500th time. But a lot of things go on in it. One one of the overlooked things, also ground speed is kind of overlooked. That's me playing Scrug style as much as I can. That's me, you know, Earl, Earl Scruggs impersonators, people that do that are, are like Elvis impersonators. <laughs> All the Elvis impersonators sound alike, but they don't sound like Elvis. Right. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> All the Earl Scruggs sound alike, but they don't sound like Earl. With the exception of Charlie Hedgecock and J.D., and some of Sonny Osborne stuff, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's another one out there. But Yeah, there's, there's some good ones. But For the banjo players, I recommend C-Tuning. That's uh, called Bear Tracks. Bear Tracks, right. Play with the picks. J.D. Crow cut that. He did it in C-Tuning. The only song I know of that he did in C-Tuning. And it's really cool. C minor tuning, where you take the first string and you lower it a half step. Bending the neck, looking for sounds that are banjo, without necessarily playing hot licks. You know, and uh, you can frail. Great stuff. And uh, C modal, go another half step down. Steve Martin uses this on the album The Crow. I produced The Crow right. with Steve. And I told him, I'm the perfect guy to produce this album. And I got the job. And he uses C modal tuning on the song "The Crow." Yeah, it, it's I can recognize that sound. Yeah, and Interesting. And of course, you know detuning. But 
there's two VD tunings. One, you tune the string, fifth string to the fourth fret, and one to the seventh fret. If you go up to the seventh fret, that's that's. nice and you can do a lot of you can do well Ruben's train is now with the fourth fret though these Earl's Ruben's train but there's also D minor tuning which is the same as G minor except it's D minor <laughs> so you go That has to go up to the. Uh... And you get all kinds of interesting sounds by changing tunings. And you can even do this tuning. You see? Yeah. sound in tune, do they? Right. Yeah, a little sharp on the G, I guess. Is that what it's... You ever heard this tuning? Let me make it flat. So you hear that being a little out of tune, but when you fret them together and you play the whole thing... that for hours uh, oh that's great you can, like a, yeah. Idea, that, right? Yeah, that's great. I'm really sad that I'm not there to hear it in person instead of just through the headphones here because it sounds, yeah, almost like a a double tracked sound or a phased sound. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Now, using I use about well, I shouldn't say I use that one, but if I'm playing that, I use it. I use about thirteen, maybe fourteen different different tunings and. Uh, Highly recommend it. Yeah. And I recommend playing without picks. I'm just playing with nails. Mm -hmm. And that's handy. And one thing I recommend 
is playing the guitar. Get away from the banjo. And do the basic double thumbing. You know, thumb index, thumb middle, thumb index, thumb middle, index, thumb middle. And you just, you move your thumb around. I'm moving the thumb. I'm doing the basic thumb index, thumb middle the whole time. And detuning. I open D on the guitar. And that's what I've used. There's this dirt band single called Long Hard Road. If you fret the seventh fret of the first string and the fifth fret on the second. And do that. Way back in my memory, there's a scene that I recall. Thank you, Bill Keith. Right. And and I told him this. Anyway, so you get the idea that just doing the guitar in detuning, you can get a lot out of it. Like like if you uh Could, yeah. But, uh, okay, good. So that's one thing you can do, or you can play something that's like you just take a. Simple. This is like a D in G tuning on the banjo. Mm -hmm. Let's see, D tuning, you take away the first two strings, and the first string and the sixth string. That's the same as G tuning on the banjo. You know, it's like there you go. Let's see. But if you want to play a
this is all just horsing around, you know. And That's it's really, great stuff. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a banjo player's guitar that way. Right. Hey folks, it's time for me to introduce you to a brand new Picky Fingers sponsor, and that's GHS Strings. Now, GHS might be a new sponsor, but uh, they're definitely not new to the string business. They've been making some of the best banjo strings on the market since 1964. They use their proprietary lock twist on the plain steel strings for incredible stability, extra large loops for easy installations on any tailpiece, and a wide range of gauged sets for every player. My personal favorite that I've been using for years is the PF145s, but they do have a lot of options for uh, whatever your preference is. And they're very durable, have a long lifespan, and probably my favorite part is that these things are made right down the street from me in Battle Creek, Michigan. So not only do I think they are the best strings out there, but I can feel good about supporting a local company. And I'm not the only one who thinks very highly of their strings. GHS strings are also used by J.D. Crow, Sonny Osborne, Todd Taylor, Bela Flack, and a lot more. So go check out what they have to offer at their website, ghsstrings.com. The Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Peghead Nation. With Peghead Nation's streaming video courses in banjo, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, dobro, upright bass, and ukulele, You'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of banjo instruction, with courses including Beginning Banjo with Bill Evans, Bluegrass Banjo with Bill Evans, Clawhammer Banjo with Evie Layden, Wade Ward-style banjo with Bruce Molsky, The Banjo According to Danny Barnes, and Contemporary Bluegrass Banjo with Wes Corbett. Each course includes high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play with. So what I need you to do is join any of Peghead Nation's video courses, and you're going to get your first month's free uh, just by being a Picky Fingers listener. Go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code PICKYFINGERS at checkout. That's all one word, all lowercase. And once again, that gets you your first month free at PegheadNation.com. The Picky Fingers podcast is also sponsored by Elderly Instruments, which is the world's most trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted instruments. We all know how cool it is to be able to support the locally owned mom-and-pop businesses rather than going to the big box stores. Well, with Elderly Instruments, you're getting a place that's been family-owned since 1972, located in Lansing, Michigan, but they do ship worldwide. 
However, shopping at Elderly Instruments doesn't mean a compromise in quality. They have a vast selection of acoustic and electric guitars, banjos, ukuleles, mandolins, and all the accessories and books you might need. They have a world-renowned repair shop that sets up all the instruments, and perhaps most importantly, a down-to-earth knowledgeable sales staff that is there to help you with anything you need from advice on the high-dollar vintage instrument that you're looking for right down to what picks you should buy. They're happy to help, and they're just a phone call or an internet search away. Go to elderly.com or call them at 517-372-7880 and tell them Picky Fingers sent you. So, brief sidebar, you mentioned going to Russia. Have you heard of that podcast called Winds of Change? No. Oh, it's... um. I don't have enough time to get into it, but you guys were mentioned. It's all about like the musical diplomacy with uh, well, with good. Russia and a bit, a bit of like conspiracy theorist stuff about like the CIA being involved. And it's a long story, you know. It's yeah. ten episodes long, but uh, yeah, but there's so much that goes on. <laughs> you know, uh, we had a CIA guy with us. Yeah, it was like uh, by the second week, uh, I was talking to the uh, Russian tour manager and we were both kind of going Brent must be CIA or FBI and I think it's CIA because the guy that was sent with us the cultural exchange affairs the guy that was sent with us he would disappear we'd go to a new town mm-hmm. he was gone for most of the day and he'd show up at the end of the day and he had his little attache case that nobody but he could open he spoke better Russian than than most of the Russians. He spoke with a Ukrainian dialect, I think it was, when he did Russia, when he had to speak Russian. And Arena would say, "You know, his dialect is so good. I think he is Russian." <laughs> I, I think that was basically the. St- I'll I'll have to find it. It's been a while since I listened to it. I'll I'll get you a link to hear what what they said about you. It's, it's a really interesting story. But basically, she said everybody must have job. Yeah, I says yeah. He doesn't have any job at being the CIA guy, keeping an eye out and seeing what he can learn, and so it was fun. And he was a nice guy. He was like a thirty-year-old, four thirty-five-year-old nice guy. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Right, <laughs> right. So it seems like you still really enjoy playing, which maybe that's maybe that shouldn't be a surprise, but. Some people do, some people don't. How do you find things that still excite you about playing the banjo? And, and I was excited playing for you. Is that mostly it? I find it like magic. Mm-hmm. You can practice a magic trick in front of a mirror for a month or two. So you got to go out and do it for someone. Mm-hmm. You got to, hey, you ever seen this one? You know, whatever. You, you've got you've to do it for someone. Mm-hmm. And when you can't do it for someone, it's like, I had fun playing the banjo and C minor tuning there for you yeah. and and whoever's looking or listening. And uh, that's the feeling I try to have when I'd be recording. That red light goes on, I play better. If it's not on, I just kind of noodle around. So, oh, I bet, oh, their light's on. I better, this is going to stay. This is going to be a keeper, whatever. I feel like it's going right from that microphone to somebody's ears. And it kind of is. Because it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I don't have to fly or drive or anything. 
just hello out there ears and uh that's part of the music today and uh did i answer your question i think so yeah you you well, you, you like having that extra incentive to to rise to the occasion it sounds like and share what you have to share which is still sounding great it's amazing um well thank you let's talk about your your instruments um I guess just main, mainly whatever banjo you're performing with these days. Tell us, tell us about the instrument itself. Instruments. I have a, a daring banjo. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of daring banjos and they're very dear to me. They're, I asked Janet Daring once, I said, uh, do you have anything like this? I played a, a Florentine, 1928 Florentine for, for years and years and years, but it, it was coming apart on the road. Mm-hmm. A little piece of purfling had come off, or part of the resonator. Or, uh, I just got tired of. Oh God! Uh, I'm gonna watch this banjo is gonna dissolve if I keep. <laughs> but she made a banjo. She made a John McEwen model daring banjo. Oh, I didn't even realize and, that. That's cool. Well, and they sold a few of them. I hope they sell more. This is going to banjo players. And she did everything, like the the the. Hooks on the fifth fret, the HO railroad spike for the capo mm-hmm. on the fifth string, not fifth fret, um, are turned the way I like them so they don't come out if you hit it too hard. Oh, so they um, point, they angle, they point upward toward you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they point the way. It's, they've got it's got Scruggs tuners, which is very important to me because so you can do. Scruggs tuners and harmonics. You can. Are you seeing that? Yeah. You you do the harmonic. You know, with your with your uh, index. Yeah, the artificial harmonic. Yeah, artificial. I think that's what you call it. Seventh fret. <laughs> you can get a lot of cool sounds with the Scruggs tuners. Yeah. Like I play like. I have a, my thumbnails on one of those. doing Grandfather's Clock. Are they on the camera? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very cool. I'm going to have to practice that. I'm, I'm no good at those, but I, I need to work on that harmonic. This is what I, this is like a Marx Brothers thing. <laughs> Grabbing the, you know, like that. Yeah, some physical comedy. And, uh, got nice etching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the nice armrest, etch- some engraving, etch- tailpiece, yeah. And uh, the not complicated inlay. It's got my name right here, yeah. It's damn good banjo. And that's a maple banjo, it looked like? Oh, I guess so. Yeah. And what I like about it, it's a... 
is in tune all the all the way up the neck, you know. Everywhere you go, a, a daring neck are really great. You know, they're just in tune. Yeah. I don't know. My Gibsons, I got to turn the bridge or whatever. It reminds me of that 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 rolling that flattened structure doing. Rolling, rolling, my sweet baby song. You ever heard that mistake? Which one? That one where he goes. Uh, Amen. Rolling, my sweet baby song. The one done in 1948. In the, the Mercury. Yeah. Yeah. Rolling, 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 my sweet baby song. <laughs> he caught it. You know, he didn't have time to redo it. It sounded good. Like he did the, uh, you know that lick? He's the one that goes. Just out of a D. One time he goes up there. Goes up. Just it goes by so quick. Yeah. But it, that note is the same as, you know, I think they hit it. He, I don't, I, Earl, why did you have to go away? I wanted to ask you. I was always embarrassed. Did you consider that a mistake? You know, I didn't want exactly. to say Because he did it this way. Anyway, one time he goes, <laughs> you know, and it's like, it might not have been a mistake. I don't know. The mystery of Earl Scruggs. Yeah, exactly. Once on the, on the farewell blues, you know. You know, when it goes, you know, the one that goes like that, mm -hmm. he goes, it. he does this thing. I said, Earl, what was your thought about doing that? He goes, well, I, I got lucky there. I was just rolling, rolling along. And, and, and the last note I hit was the right one. <laughs> we, so, yeah, we all need more good luck like that. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm, any any other particular like equipment type things that you're really partial to or that you recommend in terms of your picks or your capo or any of that? I use the Golden Gate thumb pick and I try to get good finger picks. I use the Shub capo. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Rick Shub, who's a banjo player. Yeah. Oh, you probably know that. Yeah. I use light to medium strings. I use a 24. Uh, thank you, Doug Dillard. Uh, four string. Mm -hmm. The heavy four string. Yeah. Well, is that because of a lot of the drop tunings that you use? That you is that the reason? That's part of it, but it's it's, it's your lowest string, mm -hmm. and it should be thicker instead of twangy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Damn, too twangy. I play a Zeta fiddle, greatest fiddle. Boy, it's a great plug fiddle that plugs in. John McPhee loaned me his one night because mine didn't show up and. Uh, the guy in the Doobie Brothers we we're doing a show with. Uh, Can I play your fiddle? Yeah, okay. Uh, and he only used it on Black Water and one other song, but he's pretty good. And uh, I, that Zeta fiddle just took me, uh, made me, made me, it raised me up to mediocre, <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the fiddle notes. Uh, I'm not a fiddler, but I play the fiddle kind of thing. Excellent. 
Well, I guess that's that's most of what I have, unless you have any other parting words of advice or wisdom. And and even if not, um, maybe tell people like your website and all the, the ways for people to find you and track down your music. Well, if you're going to track down some music, I would recommend Made in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It's an album I made. You, you, you have that album? I've listened to it, yeah. Yeah, it's got some of my best music, my best guitar, and some good banjo picking on it. And it's all one take, one microphone, all recorded with one microphone. I love that, yeah. And uh, a very special magic microphone that picked up everything. I couldn't believe it. I Rose Up is a good example of how everybody, everything was picked up. John Cowan cut like a knife and everything. John Carter Cash. It's just really good. And get the Circle Be Unbroken album. Of course. You know, since Ken Burns... Since the country music thing aired with Ken Burns last September, I mean, last September, 2019, the Circle album has been in the top five on the Amazon, on three different Amazon charts. Oh, that's wonderful. Since then, it's like, everybody, this is a 50-year-old album. It's a dark side of the banjo. What are you watching? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good analogy. That's good. It's the father of old brother is what it is. And I think it deserves to be out there as well as old brother. And it's only, um, it's really a great classic record. I appreciate you talking about it. And I thank my brother for getting it together. I had an idea to record with Earl Scruggs and Doc Watson. He had an idea to record with Merle Travis. We had an idea of Maybell Carter and, and then, he had an idea to shoot some pictures. He had an idea to shoot, to make a cover. To, he was a, he, in other words, he was a producer. Yeah, it's one of those things if, that you can't imagine it being any other way, looking back at it, it's just the way it came it, together. And uh, if it had been my album, it would be Doc and Earl, and we'd be in a picture on the cover, be in front of a bus. <laughs> yeah. What A yellow one. Speaking of Made in Brooklyn, what I... That one song cracked me up. What's it called? He's just a he's just a precocious boy or something like that. And there's like a gospel choir. Oh, excitable boy. Excitable, excitable boy. boy. Yeah, it's such yeah. a funny song. That's some of my. I don't like to say this because it sounds like uh, enough talk about me. Let's talk about my record. But that's some of my most creative banjo playing. Okay. You know, I left a lot of notes out intentionally mm-hmm. to play to the song. And uh, I like to think of when you record, how many notes can you leave out? Not how many you can put in. How many do you need to make the lyric last or to not detract from it? Or how, how do you support the lyric? Man, it's things like that. 
but excitable boy was definitely fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I think, I think what you just said about leaving notes out is definitely something that, especially with banjos, it's, it's easy to abuse. Tell me about not it. doing it. <laughs> Already with the banjo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you already say your website? I think you you told us the music, but, uh, my mother thought of my website name. It's John McEwen. Well, she was very. I added, I added dot com. Of course, she said, "Who's dot M C E U E N?" John J O H N. And Facebook is more active. I'm trying to build my Facebook followers too. So it's John McEwen Music uh, is the fan page, and that's a fun thing. And I got a. Since I just finished moving, I've got to look at that, get back into it. But I've been doing, you know what podcasts are? <laughs> I've heard of them. Yeah. Enlighten me. Yeah. been doing a lot of podcasts in the last few months. It's really fun. Oh, have you really? Uh, this is about my 27th one, I think. Oh, man. Well, that's why you're so good at it. I got you after you got in practice a bit. <laughs> oh, wait, no. But you, you're a one-take guy, so I'm actually way too late. I should have gotten you earlier. <laughs> No, you're just in time. Okay. Yeah, we'll keep in touch. I really appreciate your time, John, and thanks for the years of great music. I'd like to mention, uh, if you keep it, uh, that there's a whole chapter on the Circle Be Unbroken album in my book, The Life I've Picked. The Life I've Picked. I, I, I'm just thinking of the title. Yeah, it's like, ba- banjo players and our, pu- I had, our puns. I had, yeah. two, I had two pages of titles. I mean, oh, okay, maybe this, maybe that over a couple months period. But the night before I had to send the manuscript and the title to the publisher, honey, I'm going downstairs. I'm not going to come up until I think of a title for this book, the life I've picked. And it was it. That was it. I, it was it just the pressure made me come up with it. Yeah. Never, never, never above a, a good pun when you get a chance to use it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, go go hang out with your family. I really appreciate it, and uh, it was nice meeting you. Uh, really wish I could have heard all that music in person. It loses a little bit coming through the computer, but it was still great to hear, and I appreciate oh. you doing all that. I'll play it in person for you sometime. I would love that. Really glad you could all be here for the second half of my interview with John McEwen. Huge thanks again to Ron Landis, the Patreon supporter of the show. Go to patreon.com slash banjo podcast to support the show, get invited to those very important picker lounges every month, and a whole bunch of other rewards for doing that. Contact the show, pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and I'll see you next time.